Blog Talk Radio. guest, um, CEO and founder of National School Chapter Association, Rocky Malloy. It says on June 18th, the Texas School Chaplain Funding Bill officially became the Texas School Chaplain Act of 2023. A unique funding category was added to the state's educational statute aptly aptly titled Chapter Chapter 23, chaplains operate and are funded with tax dollars in many other public institutions in the nation. To have chaplains in the school was never illegal. However, a chaplain was more a volunteer job. The passing of this bill allows chaplains to work in schools in a paid position. 
and um, 17 states are following Texas lead, uh, creating a national movement. This legislation is first in the U.S. and the first time in 60 years that God's prayer and faith are officially back in public schools. School districts contacted us immediately talking about the NSTA, uh, requesting chaplains for the full. And I do believe I have Rocky online on the phone line, and I'll bring him in now. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Is this Rocky? Yes, it is. Did I say your last name right? Rocky Malloy? Yeah, that's correct. Rocky Malloy. Okay. Let me make sure. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of questions for you. Um, I had some help from uh, fellow podcasters of mine to get uh, to get these questions to help me out uh, with you. Um, the one that I want to start with is um, what is your testimony and how do you became a Christian? Well, I be uh, I started serving the Lord when I was a younger child, probably ten or eleven. But um, I was confused about how the whole God Bible all that worked. So it wasn't until I was uh, older that I believe I developed a personal relationship with Jesus. So that was uh, um, do you mean like uh, like twenties or teenager? Yeah, I had a, um, you know what, I when I was uh, in ninth grade, uh-huh. we, li- we lived in Texas, but my, all of my relatives lived in North Carolina, so every few years we would go back and see them. So in ninth grade, we made the trek from Texas to uh, North Carolina, and um, I was an avid reader, and I started reading my grandmother's ninth grade history book. It was very interesting because I was in the ninth grade. Or I, yeah. I had just, you know, finished ninth grade. So then she was old. And so her history book was like post-Civil War. I mean, it was it was an <laughs> old book. So her history book was different than my history book. So something changed. And so I'm thinking the new history book is not true. Some, they did something to it. So it made me not trust anything because I'm thinking if you can change history, what else did you change? So I was thinking maybe they changed the Bible. So how did Uh I know I could really believe the Bible, right? Yeah. So it it created a lot of confusion in me. And then I had this idea. I I had a lot of ideas that were not really biblical, and it ended up getting me a lot of trouble. And one of those ideas was if, well, if you died a martyr, you could be pretty sure you could get to heaven. But I wasn't totally sure. But this wasn't this wasn't like a Muslim idea of, you know, martyring yourself for the Lord. It was just like if you believed in the cause so much, you know, because the Bible said if you lose your own life, you gain life. So I was reading that stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe if you are such a sincere believer, it would cost you your life, then you could be, you know, pretty sure you're going to heaven. So... I ended up getting a lot of trouble, but I was, praise God, I was redeemed. And uh, so that's when I started taking things a little more serious. 
Okay. Um, my next question is um, getting more to the subject. Um, what is a chaplain and what does a chaplain do? A lot of people are confused about that because they think when they think of ministry or clergy, they relate it to maybe their uh, a, a priest or a pastor or you know or somebody like that, and that's not what what chaplains are. Ministry people that are trained in the ministry, pastors and all that, they're trained to service a religious group of people their denomination, their religion, or whatever. Chaplains are trained to serve in secular organizations. That's why chaplains are hired to serve in the military, first responders, in prisons, hospitals. And in some states, they even hire chaplains to work in airports for people that are too, have too much anxiety to fly or, you know, things like that. So that chaplain's job is to minister in a secular environment um my next question is is kind of relates to what you're saying um is your ministry with the chaplain uh is it connected to any local church or certain denomination no we are not we generally well, there's there's denominations that have their own chaplains and stuff, but we we are Christians. People do have to believe in the Bible as inspired word of God and, and you know, those things. So we don't train people from other religions. But we work with lots of denominational groups, independent churches, you know, non denominational, all that. Um do um uh, do the chaplains uh, get to uh, preach the gospel in their job? Because I know it's in public school. Well, preach the gospel, the answer would be no. But chaplains are not preachers. What chaplains are, are they have a ministry of presence. So... If they're talking to a child that's Jewish, for instance, they would call in a um, a religious leader from that organization. If they if they talk to a child that's Buddhist, for instance, they would call in a you know a, if it was available a, if that child wanted prayer, they would they would call a Buddhist monk to help that child. So there there are um, situations where young people and teachers would ask a chaplain about their faith and why they and why they serve and in that instance then they could be uh, forthcoming so um do uh, just a friend came up with this question um uh do you have a doctrinal statement because they're looking at your website um if you have a doctrinal statement can you talk about it yeah, I know we need to add that on there. Really, it's uh, really okay. simple. If you, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know we need to put that on there. Really, it's basically because we work with so many different groups and we recognize the um, faith statements of a lot of different groups. But you know what? Billy Graham said it really great. He said, um, 
get with some friends, go help some other people and have fun. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, but we, we are, we are Jesus following Jesus believing group. So, you know, we believe the Bible's an inspired word of God. And, um, but as far as a formal declaration, we don't have it on our website yet, just because we've been very busy um, rebuilding our website to accommodate the new law in Texas. So, to, uh, uh, as you said before, I think you basically indicated that there are certain other religious uh, in that are chaplains in the public school. Um, is uh, is the ones that are I guess I guess would say the ones that are Christian then are they uh, taught uh, Orthodox of Christian teaching? You know what? Um, the vast majority of chaplains employed by the federal government are um, Protestants. The, the numbers are about like this. 91% are Protestants, which a subset of that are evangelicals. 7% approximately are Catholic. Everything else is 2%. That would be Orthodox religions. That would be um, Muslims, Baha'i, Buddhists, whatever. You know, even even atheism is recognized as a religious group. But inside that 2%, there's really a tiny fraction of people that don't relate their faith somehow to the Bible. So once you take Bible people out of the equation, there's just there's um, there's very few chaplains from other religious groups and I suppose their religion just does not motivate a type of chaplain behavior. And um, it's a next question that I have for you. Uh, uh, on your website, you mentioned mental health concerns like anxiety and depression. How do you recognize and approach these conditions with the children with the ones in the public schools? Well, chaplains are not professional counselors, and they are not they do not give professional referrals. What we have found is, based on uh, peer-reviewed data, that about 98 percent of young people now let me back up a little bit. Chaplains' okay. primary role is to give spiritual care to teachers. They're secondarily there for students. So they're not, they're not there for students and ignoring teachers. Their primary role is to, to support teachers. And then, as their time allows, then they meet with students. So, but to go back to your questions about mental health concern, the vast majority of people, adults and students, do not need professional counseling. What they need is somebody to listen to their story and just to acknowledge them. There's a, like a person with like clinical PTSD. When they tell their story and they're, un, they're able to unload that stress, they have less stress. 
And so that's part of the chaplain's job is to, to be a minister of presence. They're there. Their primary role is to listen. Earlier you asked me about them preaching the gospel. Really, the less they talk, the better. Because they're trying to stimulate the other person to talk, to share their heart, and to hear their story. And a lot of times when people hear their story out loud, they they get better insight because they're thinking about it like their inner voice is talking to them. But when they actually express it in words, it gives them a chance to better evaluate what they're actually thinking about, and that's very valuable. And um, given the current political climate uh, and an introduction of critical race theory and sexuality talk like transgenderism and things like that, have you uh, had to specifically combat those issues? You know what? Those are issues that could come up with a chaplain. They're not there for political reasons, but... If a child has confusion or even an adult, if they're confused about their gender or their personal identity or they have some kind of crisis in that area, a chaplain can certainly share with them what the Word of God says about those things. But um, if a school is using critical race theory or not using critical race theory, that's not doesn't necessarily involve the chaplain. Okay. And... Um... What level of involvement do parents have with the chaplains? Well, our goal is a lot. Because the chaplain, if they, if, now again, we're, their primary role is teachers, not students. But if they are talking to a student, and that student's involved in something, or they're contemplating something that they believe needs to have a parent involved, they're going to be highly motivational in regards to bringing that student together with their parent or guardian or whatever. And um, the idea that a student tells things that are secrets to a chaplain, that's true to a certain and limited extent. But, the you know, like you hear a lot now about schools um, hiding information from parents. That would never happen with a chaplain. So um, uh, what you, would you say uh, has become the top issue for chaplains that they're dealing with among the children? You know, one of the biggest issues is depression. Young people, like never before, are depressed. And a big reason for depression is social media you know it was just a few years ago when your circle of friends and influence is what impacted your life now it's people all over the world and people are there's a lot of shame and guilt that goes with social media and so young people and even adults it gets depressing and you know it, it 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 ends up creating an unhealthy state. So um, how did you um, come up with the idea or if it was someone else um, for the, uh, to help the chaplains, uh, National School Chaplain Association get started? Well, 
in Latin America, we have over 26,000 schools with chaplains that we have trained. So what happened was, you know, probably 27, 26 years ago, we started a program in school that was basically a Bible school in school. And it became very successful. And then the political, the politics of those nations changed. And then Bible schools in public schools are no longer possible. So our program had to change and to be less biblical and be more about moral and morals and character. But even morals and character brought up a lot of spiritual issues. So schools ask us to provide support, and that looked like chaplains. So because of the success of the chaplains organizations overseas, then people in leadership in Texas looked at it and said, you mean chaplains are responsible, at least in part, for up to 80% reduction of teen pregnancies, an increase of 37% of high school graduations, and no school has reported a suicide in the last 13 years? We want that for U.S. schools, or in this case, Texas schools. So that's how the legislation began when they started looking at the very positive impacts of chaplains overseas. Uh, that's good. Um, uh, those are actually all the questions I have. What I want to ask you now is, like, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share about uh, what, what about yourself or about the association before you go? Yeah. First of all, I'd like to thank you very much for this opportunity and for everyone listening to understand that this legislation in Texas did not make chaplains legal because it was never illegal ever. This idea that somehow or another chaplains are illegal in school is almost ridiculous because there are thousands of chaplains that work for the federal government. And in the case of Texas, there are hundreds of chaplains already on the payroll. So the United States government and the government of the state of Texas pays people to be chaplains, Christian chaplains. And so people are going, oh, you could never do that. It would be illegal. No, it's not illegal. How could, for instance, just recently, the U.S. Navy, because of the amount of suicides and other things happening, hired an additional 4,000 chaplains. Wow. Now, my daughter was a Navy lieutenant, and I got to meet some of the sailors on her ship. You're talking about young men and women, 18, 19 years old, that in a short period of time, the U.S. Navy turned in to military personnel, highly disciplined. I am sure in the last 250 years, if there was a better way to do it, the Navy would have figured it out. And they are still hiring chaplains. That means chaplains fulfill a role that no one else can do in the U.S. Navy. And the same thing is true for the Army, the Air Force, the Mar- all of it. 
Navy chaplain service Marines, by the way. So if the military is still using chaplains, the idea, I mean, people are talking about, oh, we're going to sue you. You can't do that. It, it verges on ridiculous. That means if they, it's really, it's discrimination. Teachers have one of the most stressful jobs there are. Now, I know a first responder, maybe a, 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 an ambulance driver that sees car wrecks and horrific accidents and things like that. You can understand they have a lot of stress. But people don't understand the type of stress that teachers have, and it's very similar, psychologically very similar. So the government provides a spiritual care for first responders. They provide spiritual care for military personnel. They provide mental, they provide uh, spiritual care for people in the hospital that are in government hospitals. Government hospice has chaplains. So it's really a discrimination for the government not to provide chaplains for teachers. So the state of Texas said, you're right. Why would we discriminate against our teachers by not providing them the same services that we give our first responders, police, fire, ambulance, those people? So that's what it was. So... And all the everybody's all worried about how legal it is. Trust me, it is totally legal. Now let me tell you some other stuff. Is that that some of the smartest attorneys in the state of Texas actually work for the state of Texas? So legislation has to go through something called legislative council. That means the attorneys in Texas, the attorney general and the solicitor general looked at that bill. It was Senate Bill Seven Sixty Three. And they determined that the bill was legal and they could defend it in court. So then they approve it, and then it goes back to the Senate and to the House of Representatives. And they voted on it out of committee. It voted on the floor. It voted. This governor signed it. It became law. But the bill, 763, that became the Texas School Chaplain Act, is a funding mechanism. It tells schools, if you want to hire chaplains, there is funds available for you to do that. So your teachers have the same care as first responders. So, it, so the, it's, oh, sorry. it's a funding bill. It's not a make it legal bill because it was never illegal. That's something that's really important. So... um uh, I have a question. Um, what other um, states are 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 doing associated with you, with the um, NAPA? I think it's the the your organization. You mean states like U.S. states? Yeah, yeah, U.S. states. Yeah. Well, um, Oklahoma actually filed the bill before Texas did. But they couldn't get it through the committee. But Oklahoma, Indiana, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, North Dakota, um, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, you know, South Carolina. There's 14 states that are closely following Texas and this legislation. In the next um, 
two or three years, probably over half the United States are going to have school chaplains. But that's not surprising. Did you know that most industrialized nations in the world have school chaplains? Australia, United Kingdom. Yeah, uh, like Germany, Holland. They have they have school chaplains. They don't even think anything about it. It's because they know that students and teachers need spiritual care. So we look at ourselves as the land of the free in the United States, and yet countries that we think have less personal freedom than we do have school chaplains because it is so needed. So that's why I appreciate you inviting me on to talk about the need, the spiritual need of teachers and students today and why chaplains are the solution to minister to and support them. You um, for uh, come on and show uh, that your website for the uh, the association is National School Chaplain Association dot org. Um, That's correct. Do you want your, the National your School Chaplain Association dot org? What? Part of me. What? Do you want your email to get out, or you just want to keep that private? Yeah, my email okay. is Armaloy. Oh, it's Armaloy. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Sorry. It's, well, it's easy. The easy one is RockyMaloy at gmail.com. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you for even coming on my show. Um, I was invited through email to um, someone named Maureen. She wrote me, and I'm thankful for you being on my show and talking about this and and answering my questions. Um, so check out National School Chaplain Association Network. Uh, thank you, Mr. Moy. And thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Rocky Malloy, like I said, on here on Truthy Toll Radio. And um Check out the National School Chaplain Association dot uh, org for more information about them and and him, CEO Rocky Moy. And thanks all for listening. And I'm going to invite you to get social with us. Get social with Truth Be Told Radio. Check us out on our Facebook like page at Truth Be Told Radio. You can find our website at truthbetoldradio.com. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-E-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O.com. Truthbetoldradio.com. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or want to tell us anything? Send those emails to truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. Remember, by sending us your email, you give us permission to read it on the air. So write us at truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. If you'd like to read blogs, we've got you covered. Check out ours at truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. That's truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. Also, follow us on Twitter as truth, the letter B, then told radio. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O. Once again, that is truth. The letter B only, 
not BE, told radio. This is due to the restraints for Twitter's username links. Finally, to learn the testimony of Melissa Canchoa, the hostess of Truth Be Told Radio, see smilesandstuff.com. That's S-M-I-L-E-S-A-N-D-S-T-U-F-F dot C-O-M. Smilesandstuff.com. So stay social with us, and thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio. Are you good enough to go to heaven? Let's see. Have you lied, stolen, blasphemed, or looked with lust, which God sees as adultery? If you have, then you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous adulterer at heart. And if you are guilty, you will end up in hell. But God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and defeat death. You broke God's law, but Jesus paid your fine. God can now legally dismiss your case. Repent, trust in Jesus, and God will give you everlasting life. Needgod.com We have the idea of self-existence, or what we call theology, the concept of aseity. When I see that word on the blackboard, when I see it in a textbook, I know that the vast majority of people in the pew have never heard of the word. And it's so obscure and esoteric, they don't care about hearing about the word. But I have to tell you, honestly, personally, I see that word and I get chills up my spine. Because in that one little word is captured all of the glory, perfection of God's being that what makes God different from you and different from me and different from the stars, the earthquakes, and any creaturely thing is that God and God alone has a theity. God and God alone exists by his own power. Oh, my God. 
got power, you exist. Now you declare war on the Lord, and before you were born, he formed you in the universe. Look, our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. He's established his king is dying, and his man is dead. Our God is in the heavens. Our God is in the heavens. Our God is in the heavens. Our God is in the heavens.
You know, such a message is planting seeds of confusion in impressionable children who are very open to the power of suggestion. Yes, there's a war in our culture on children. Dad and Mum, you need to plant seeds of truth in your children. God has made them either boys or girls, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made just as he wanted them to be. Yes, God has made us male and female. Get more answers to think biblically about gender and sexuality when you visit AnswersRadio.com. Discover more at AnswersRadio.com. Tune in with concentration as we resume the conversation. It's all conceivable for human contemplation. Trying to search the mysteries of better mind is well taken. When it comes to the nature of God, it's time we still sleep. We must rest. People tune in us out as we discuss this. The topic on the table for reflection, God justice. The scriptures declare salvation belongs to God alone. And that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his fall. He's the crisis given treasure. All life exists for his pleasure. And he is the standard by which all righteousness is measured. All human justice fail. No need to stand up to test it. God judges perfectly due to his characteristics. First, he's so he never lacks information. Secondly, his understanding, it has no limitations. And plus he knows your thoughts and all the motives behind them. Right. And no one can ever go hide in the place where the sovereign and Lord cannot find them.
has value. This is Ken Ham, co-author of the book addressing racism biblically, One Race, One Blood. This week, we've been looking at our culture's war on the family. We've seen how our children are being attacked. But it's not just children. Last year in Canada, a paraplegic, who is also a military veteran, and Paralympian requested a wheelchair ramp from the government. And what she got instead was a letter offering her medical assistance in dying. This is shocking. But we now live in a culture of death that doesn't view the unborn, elderly, differently abled, or terminally ill as having any value. It's the result of a secular evolutionary worldview. The Bible has a very different view. Every single person is made in God's image with inherent worth and dignity. Learn more about a biblical view of the value of human life when you visit AnswersRadio.com. What is sin? The glory of God not honored. The holiness of God not reverenced. The greatness of God not admired. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved, that is sin. Yeah. 
Judith, help me. I'm dying. What would you say to me? Well, the church would teach you to ask for forgiveness and go to confession. I can't. I've got two and a half minutes to live. I'm lying on the ground looking up at you and saying, I'm terrified of dying. Judith, help me. What can I do to go to heaven? Ask for forgiveness and accept God into your heart is the idea. It doesn't have to be a priest. You'll think that'll work? I don't. I feel like you have to, like, live uh, your life pretty, as a good human being, your whole life, not just when you die. Most people think that, and the Bible says something different. I'll, I'll give you a Bible verse and see if you can figure out what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. Do you know what that means? No, I I don't think I could bring it down to one sentence. Okay, I'm going to try and explain it to you another way. Let's say there's a doctor who's got a patient in front of him. The patient looks very well. He feels very well. He thinks he's very healthy. The doctor knows differently. He's seen x-rays. The guy's going to be dead in three weeks. He's got a disease seeping through his body. He's got a cure in his pocket. Should he just give him the cure or show him the x-rays? I think he should show him the x-rays. Why? To let him know what the situation is, because if he just gives him the cure, the person not knowing that anything's wrong with him could just choose to not take it. That's exactly right. Now, do you think you're a good person, morally? I'd like to think so, but I feel like at times I'm not. Okay, so you think you're reasonably healthy, morally, but you're not sure. So I'm going to show you the x-rays. I'm not going to give you the cure yet. The cure is in the Bible verse I gave you, How to Find Everlasting Life. The x-rays are the Ten Commandments showing you how God sees you. Can you be honest with me? Go okay, we're going to go through some of the commandments. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes. Do you believe God gave you life? No. How did you get life? Uh, through my parents. If someone poked your eye out, you went back to your mum and said, Mum, I need another eye. Can you make me one? She wouldn't know where to start. There's 137 million light-sensitive cells in each of your eyes. We can't make a brain. We can't make skin. We can't make muscles or heart, liver, kidneys, lungs. We can't breathe life into a body or a robot. We can't even make a hair, a living hair. So obviously, God gave you life. Can you see that? That higher power that you oh, spoke yeah. of. I, I, won't, I won't call him God, but the higher power gave you life. But you've taken his holy name and used it as a cuss word. Judas, that's called blasphemy. It's very serious. Remember, we're looking at the x-rays. Not pleasant, but it's to show you you need the cure. How many lies have you told in your life? Probably millions. So what do you call someone who tells lies? A liar. So what are you? A liar. Have you ever stolen something? Yes. So you're a thief too? Mm-hmm. Lying thief? Okay, a little personal. Jesus said if you look with lust, sexual desire, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever done that? Yes. Okay, so here's the summation. Here's the x-ray. Judas, I'm not judging you, but you've told me you're a lying thief, a blasphemer, and an adulterer at heart. And you have to face God on judgment. day. So if he judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four, you're going to be innocent or guilty? I'm going to be guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Not very much. Let me just take it from not very much to something a little deeper. Do you know what death is according to the Bible? Um, the ending of your life? No, it's actually wages. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, God is paying you in death for your sins. Like a judge looks at a criminal that's murdered three women. He's not concerned. He says, no big deal, judge. They're prostitutes. He says, I'm going to show you how serious this is. I'm giving you the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what you've earned. This is what's due to you. And Jesus, sin is so serious to a holy God, he's given you the death sentence. You're on death row. Your death will be evidence to you that God is deadly serious. 
about sin. So that brings us to the cure. I'm hoping that you'll sweat a little when you look at the x-rays. You'll say, man, I'm in big trouble. If God's seen my thought life and what I do in darkness, I need a cure. Do you know what the cure is? Do you know how you can find everlasting life? To turn your life around? No. You try that in a court of law if you've committed a serious crime. You rob a bank, shot a guard, and you say, Judge, I know I did wrong, but I'm going to turn my life around. He's going to say, so you should. You're going to jail. Do you see that? So changing your life, cleaning it up, or being sorry for your crime won't help you. You need something else. Do you know what you need? Um, not sure. You need God's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. If you're in court and you can't justify yourself, you throw yourself on the mercy of the judge. Grace is like mercy. God extends his kindness to you despite your guilt. And the way he did it was through Jesus dying on the cross. Now, you've heard of Jesus dying on the cross? Yes. I Most people have. And Judas, if you can get a grip of this, it's going to change everything for you. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus came and paid the fine. That's why he said it is finished just before he died. He was saying paid in full. If you're in court and you've got speeding fines and somebody else pays them, a judge will let you go even though you're guilty. So you're out. Yes, someone's paid your fine. Well, God can take the death sentence off you because Jesus paid the fine in his lifeblood, rose from the dead, defeated death, and all you have to do according to the Bible is repent and trust in Jesus, like you trust a parachute. Now, let me go back to that Bible verse. For by grace are you saved through faith, that is, you trust God, and he extends his kindness towards you, forgives your sins. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. Most people think you have to do something to get everlasting life. You have to get religious or clean up your life or be a good person. Bible says, no, it comes as a gift. You can never earn a gift. Someone gives you a gift and you give them 10 cents, not a gift. That's a, you've got a good purchase there. And you can't give God anything for everlasting life. It comes by his amazing grace. You ever heard the song Amazing Grace? I have. Do you know the words? Not off the top of my head. I won't sing it to you, but I'll tell you the words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. That was written by a man named John Newton, who was a slave trader, who was born again, became a Christian, repented of his sins, trusted in Jesus, and had his eyes open to the truth of the gospel, and found everlasting life. And he said, God's grace is amazing. It saved a wretch like me, lying thief, a blasphemer, a slave trader, probably a fornicator. God's grace is just amazing. So you repent, put your faith in Jesus today, and God will make it brand new on the inside, You'll have a desire to do that which is right, which you've never had before. That's the miracle of conversion. You'll have a desire to do that which is right, which is the miracle of conversion. And you'll have a knowledge that you have everlasting life, not because you're good, but because God is good and kind and rich in mercy. Is this making sense? Yeah. I, this is actually really enlightening. I like the way you think. Are you going to think about what we talked about? Yeah. I love this new perspective. It's actually, I like to open myself up to new ideas and I like this. When are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? I think I want to start trying to. I've been thinking about it for a while, but it's so weird that now I've had so many people invite me to church and this out of nowhere, I think it's a sign. You and I are on the edge of a plane. I say we're going to jump any second. I got my parachute on. When are you going to put your parachute on? You say, I'm going to really try and think about this. No, no, just put it on. And the way I can speed it up is to hang you out the plane by your ankles for 
two seconds, you'll come back and say, give me the parachute. And that's the attitude you should have today because you could die in your sleep tonight. God forbid it could happen. So there's a sense of earnestness in my tone because I know we're talking about life and death issues. Joy. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So would you be embarrassed if I prayed with you? No, it's better in prayer. Father, I thank you for Judith and for her open heart today. I pray she'll catch a glimpse of your holiness, find a place of sorrow of heart and true repentance, and she'll understand the cross and your wonderful love for her in this day passed from death to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you have a Bible at home? I do. Can I give you a book that I've written? Of course. Hang on a second. Okay, it's called Scientific Facts in the Bible, and it'll boost your faith in God's Word. Nice to meet you, Judith. It was a pleasure to meet you as well. Real quick, here are three things to help you grow on your face. The Living Waters Podcast, the Evidence Study Bible, 200 of the most commonly asked questions of the Christian faith, and much more. The Starter Kit, four of the most popular gospel tracks, available at livingwaters.com. People often say, I'd love you to talk to my unbelieving friend or family member. Well, why not send them this video? Just click on the share button and say, I'd love to know what you think of this. There's nothing offensive about that. Send it and then pray. Do it today. Real quick, here are three things to help you grow. So what I need is, what I need is, I need to come with me, come with me, you want to do that time on the floor, I'm traveling, you want to travel back, travel back, travel back, travel back, travel back, the most significant event in the history of the universe, you ready, you ready, alright, let's go, alright, let's go, it's something you gotta see, journey with me, it's approximately 30 AD, in the land of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, but on the outside, it's free with a loud pride, who face this scene can be seen without eyes, the mean shout lies and seems to sound wise, as we inch through the crowd, we need to be cautious, a Roman execution, men will speak cautious, for all the focus is on the one in the center, the gate closes behind you, no one can enter, the sight you behold is so eyes to sun, the man hanging on the cross is God the sun, 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 because the sun shines blackened. Your mind can't fathom this divine transaction. As slowly the sound becomes mostly brown, you realize that you're standing on holy ground.
Jesus being treated as if he is a Satan, atheist. How is it the Messiah is in the fiery pit as if he was a wicked liar with twisted desires? The one who sinned in dust, punished as if he was promiscuous and mischievous with vicious lust. The source of all godly pleasure, tormented as if he was a foul investor or child molester. How could he be bruised like he was a good two-stews who doesn't think that he needs the good food? He's perfect in love and wisdom. But he's suffering as if he can trust the corrupt justice system. We should mourn at the backdrop. Jesus torn like he's on the corner with black rock. With porn on his laptop. What is this piss? His gifts are infinite. But he's hit with licks for religion. Tips for crit. He's the life, but being treated like he's the seedy type who likes to beat his wife. He's treated like a rapist. Treated like a slanderer. Treated like a racist. Or maybe a philanderer. He's just being penalized like he had genocide. So we're in a pride while committing genocide. I could write for a billion years and still can't name all of the sins placed on the lamb's plane. But know this, the main thing the course demonstrated, the glory and the holiness of God vindicated. Them in his fury, 
saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like a potter's vessel. So now, O kings, show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Yahweh, how my adversaries have become many. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Yahweh, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people who all around have set themselves against me. Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh, your blessing upon your people. Selah. She's not the normal wife. She's 
but Jesus wasn't a flamboyant fashionista. And don't miss the innuendo about Jesus' sexuality and that he had two dads and no mother like, you know, the new normal. And God, everyone as a sibling child of God. Caging universalism, everyone a sibling child of God. Sorry, only those who trust him are his beloved children. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Um, Madam, can I call you Madam? I'm not sure your illustration actually worked in your favor. You said that all of the other lights, a.k.a. skin colors, come from a white light. (laughs) I don't expect these folks to make sense. But even her blasphemous illustration doesn't make sense. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as captives on the age quilt. In other words, inclusive, no matter what you believe or how you act. This isn't even Christian. Whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. Okay, again, I have no idea what the mud and the feet and the stars thing even means. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. Oh, love is love is love. Was that an endorsement of maps? After all, love is love is love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. To all the genuinely faith Bible-believing Lutherans out there, may I encourage you, lawyer up and sue this so-called Lutheran church to have their name changed to rank pagan assembly of blasphemous nonsense. Now, normally, because the Bible says Christians aren't supposed to sue one another, I wouldn't encourage you to do that. But in this case, I don't think that's what you'd be doing. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. For trust from my love, standing from the beginning, the womb to the stone, the praise to the grave, and pray every day, every breath brings death. And Adam all die, and Adam all die. We're rebels like the devil, demon like demons, clapping with our idols, disgusting with our lusting, twisted and twisted, selfish and helpless. And Adam all die, and Adam all die. Yeah. Everybody knows that they're guilty. Our conscience condemns us, shows us we're filthy. Truth be told, we really have no answers for why we fall short of our own moral standards. The evidence for God is simply bountiful, and it's illogical to think we won't be held accountable. A universal day of judgment approaches. Any rational notion of justice will presuppose this. And deep down inside, everybody knows this, but we disregard it because our deeds are atrocious. We prefer the vicious. Our words are malicious. Our slurs pernicious. 
We find the absurd delicious to praise in our appetite. The things we crave are lacking light. The sin got us enslaved and shackled tight. And if we ought to understand the fruit, we need to go back and examine the root. Yo. Return from my birth, standing from the beginning. The womb to the stone, the praise to the grave. Astray every day, every breath brings death. And Adam all die, and Adam all die. We rebel like the devil, scheming like demons. Clapping with our idols, disgusting with our lusting. Twisted and sick, selfish and helpless. And Adam all die, and Adam all die. The world we live in wasn't always like this. The early days had perfect righteousness and bright bliss. Man and woman under God ruled government at first. Bubbling with mirth, immersed in loving with no hurt. God gave with theologians called the covenant of works. Forbidden fruit, the day you eat of it, you'll be cursed. Husband wasn't alert. Wife lacked discernment and trapped by the serpent. And that was the first sin. The consequences were monumental. In fact, I'm not convinced they had a clue of what they gotten into. Their eyes were open more. In the lies. To their surprise, they didn't get the prize they were hoping for. They see their nakedness and now regret it. They tried to cover their guilt and then blame shit. How pathetic. And it's a true story. You want some evidence? We've been doing the same thing ever since. Yeah. Return from my birth. Standing from the beginning. The womb to the stone. The praise to the grave. Astray every day. Every breath brings death. And Adam all die. And Adam all die. We rebel like the devil. Even like demons. Clapping with our idols, disgusting with our lusting, twisted and sinister, selfish and helpless, and Adam all died, and Adam all died. We saw Adam and Eve casting, we sold off Philly. They don't think it relates to thugs in North Philly, but it's like Switchfoot said, we were meant to live. But in the garden, Adam was our representative. So when the judge executed the sentence, Adam's guilt was imputed to his descendants. Global calamity, major debt, pain, regret, the reign of death, total depravity. Yes, I'm aware that cats were not there, which opens the door to charges of that's not fair. But God is not subject to fallen notions of fairness. Besides, when it comes to God's glory, most of can't last. Can't measure how we take sand treasures and bad pleasures, similar to our ancestors. So instead of saying if you were there, what you would do, seek your refuge in Adam number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Return from my birth, standing from the beginning, the womb to the stone, the praise to the grave, astray every day, every breath brings death, and Adam all die, and Adam all die. We rebel like the devil, even like demons, clapping with our idols, disgusting with our lusting, twisted and sick, selfish and helpless, and Adam all die, and Adam all die. The problem with the human race is not most deeply that everybody does various kinds of sins behind all of our depravity, behind all of our guilt, behind all of our personal sinning, there is this mysterious connection or union with Adam, our father, who sins and we being in him in some mysterious way also sin and die and are condemned. What Christ has done for all who are in him is far greater than what Adam did for all who were in him. It's all about the superiority of the work of Christ for those who are in him over again what happened to all who were in Adam. Adam. What, what, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
way to mention. All day on the radio, sin without flinching. Some have a pension for dissenting or perhaps some invention on how they did it. The latest players convincing. Intention might as well be salvation prevention. Soul food cooking up in hell's kitchen, smell the scenting. Then you got the Leo soul poetry slam pretension. Quote unquote conscious MC speak on lynchings. In the next sentence, brag about how they got the game Princeton. Slugcast chronicle ghetto tension. All of this is just a physical extension of the spiritual dimension. But now we're talking about redemption. There's nothing more important than the state of your soul. Not the way that you roll or the way that you hold. The cake that you stole will make you go straight to the hole. Away in parole. Now tell me who takes control. We break in the mold for real. Not the typical youth. Dropping biblical truth. We're analytical proof. So one for the purity. Two for the unity. Three for the faith. And four for humility. Get up on the mic and speak on man's inability to come to God on his own. And cats ain't killing me. Man cheated on God like Bill did to Hillary. And got the nerve to peep when he break out heavy artillery. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and a hypocrite who suppressed the truth and wickedness is what may be known about. God is plain to them because he made it plain to them and they claim him. Yo, can't look at nature and not see God's glory. It's infinite being manifested in his story. From the Father's speeches of the universe back to earth with heaven fast and curse. Because of sinful men trying to make mockery of God's grace with lying, hate, and debauchery. Greed, jealousy, right, right, evil. All types of people live life that's illegal. This is Faithless, heartless, ruthless, intense, opaqueness, and darkness, no excuses. We glamorize sin and spend the wise men, analyze the Ten Commandments, and he surprised then. God hates these things, and he's not budging. If you live like this, how will you escape God's judgment? Somebody step away. I'm a good person, uh, I'm not a murderer, a perjurer, or a burglar. Consider the things about which you measure your goodness. Don't flatter yourself. For real, only one opinion matters. That's God. God says that no one is good. Whether priests are common hood, far east to Hollywood. Doesn't make a difference. What will it take for you to listen to me? God has spoken, and this is a decree. All ascended fall short of the glory of Yahweh, sovereign over all territories, perfectly holy, righteous, eternally, infinite knowledge. He reigns universally, unfathomable understanding. He's got this pure perfection, personified, spotless, everywhere at once. The peace of the reality. How dare the creature usurp his authority? If you have any idea who you're dealing with, sooner or later, everybody will be feeling it. Yo, without perfection, we will never enter his presence. We'll taste heaven's essence, spiritual effervescence. Sinners can't avoid God telling them to stay out. Grim situation, I think we need a way out. Look to the rescue is Jesus Christ, right? Holding in his right hand the keys to life. Light. God in the flesh, even all he had to give. He lived the perfect life that no other man can live. Fulfilling what was spoken through the prophet's faith. So that on judgment day, a swap takes place. Jesus got the punishment. Believers get eternal life. All you got to do is place your trust in Christ. That's the good news. But not everybody can hear it. But those God chose get drawn by his spirit. Don't take my word for it. Take your Bible off the shelf. Blow the dust off of it and read it for yourself. Prepare to get the key that unlocks the mystery of life. Victory awaits and this is what you see. The truth and perception rarely ever coincide. Christ's arms are open wide, so inside. You're unsaved listening to this degree. Physician has got the medicine. He's knocking at your door. Let him in. You can sit down and eat a meal together. That's my word. In his presence, keep it real forever. That's all I got for. Truth be told, radio is going to go up 
with Yancy and Friends and the VR Billy. Back now. The B I D L E. Yeah. 